All right, guys. Welcome to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Alongside me, as always, Robert Stieg and Seth Farnador. And uh, special guest, Colin Sherwin from DK Nation, uh, will be joining us at, at the top to kind of discuss uh, some pretty important things that's happened at the university over the last week and a half or so. And it it's not even about Caleb Murphy this time. So excited to uh, excited to get going. Uh, you know, first and foremost, shout out to Home Field Apparel for being our beautiful sponsors of this podcast and uh, supporters of the blog and the site. Make sure you go to homefieldapparel.com for all of your USF clothing needs, the softest shirts around. And first time users, first time buyers can use the promo code Daily Stampede for 15% off your entire order site wide. All right, let's jump into it, guys. Uh, Colin, we brought you on because there's been a couple of uh, pretty important news items. Um, I'll let you pick since you're the guest. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, real law becoming president, or do you want to talk about Jeff Phoenix's $5 million gift to the on-campus uh, stadium? Uh, I think both are perfectly acceptable, um, and I'm afraid that um, you know normally when I get dragged in here, it's because USF did something really stupid. And I think in both cases here, some USF did something really good. We'll get to um, that later in the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll get to the dumb. Don't worry. It's still USF. Um, but I, I think that things are, are going pretty well. Um, hiring real well definitely made sense for what the university needed at this time. There's a lot of research one jobs open in academia right now. There's a lot of transition happening and I think USF sort of needed a bridge president. And I think that's kind of what, the role for Ms. Law will be, um, you know, I don't think it's any secret that uh, the writers of our website certainly lean a little bit more towards the progressive side of things. Um, but <laughs> fairly, if you would see our Slack channel, you would see these things. <laughs> um, but I, I think that in the state of Florida, as things lay now, um, having somebody who with uh, extensive Republican contacts, who um, has a deep and passionate love of the university, um, is probably like a, about as good as we could do. Um, you know, Rhea has a has been a donor to, by the way, some uh, Democrats as well um, that have been USF graduates. Uh, I believe uh, Ed Narain, um, uh There's oh, um, Les Miller. So, so so it's not like she's an ideologue who is just a little, but she has mostly donated heavily to Republican candidates, and we're a Republican led state. And the way that our state legislature. Um, and our governor's office has decided to allocate money, um, you know, quite frankly, party matters. And USF got, you know, $100 million in the door from Chris Browse, um, Speaker of the House, in the last legislative session. We'll see how much of that gets vetoed in the final budget from from Governor DeSantis, um, because we do have a line item veto in the state. So, like, any money that gets passed out of the legislature can then eventually be vetoed by the governor later. But it would seem that that doesn't seem like it's a real high priority for the governor's office right now. So getting money in the door um, for the university is always priority number one at South Florida because we have Florida and Florida State, you know, who tend to suck up a lot of the legislative oxygen, dollars, everything. And so having some pro-USF people who are tied in uh, politically um, to those folks um, that are making the decisions, I think, is in the best interest of the university. Also, you know, real laws, a graduate. We haven't had one of those <laughs> ever, you ever. know, as a president. She understands how this place works. She understands that we are not a conventional university. We're sort of caught between the 
you know, traditional large Southern campus research one and somewhere between a, a commuter. Um, you know, the research we put out, the quality of the work that is done academically is fantastic. Um, but that necessarily hasn't caught up to the campus culture yet. And there are some campus culture things that need to improve. Um, in some ways, I think we've regressed in that area in terms of campus culture. So um, I think it's the right decision. For, she's the right woman at the right time. Um, and I'm excited to see what she can do. Uh, you know, I, I think her when she chooses to transition, um, we can start to have these conversations all over again. But I think she'll leave the university in a much better place than she found it. And having somebody who's familiar with what's happened and the challenges at USF, I think, is a huge, huge win for this university right now. So really like it. I, I want to kind of touch on on real law. I mean, I think during her speaking tour, um, I mean, the, the pop and circumstance that kind of went into that and, the, the, you know, uh, kind of making a three star general go through a dog and pony show when I mean, it was a foregone conclusion, not the best look, but I. I think he's kind of setting himself up for, you know, two years down the road because I think he's at least 10 years younger than real law is right now. I think real law is 72. Judy Genshaft is the same age. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Rhea is a little bit more spry. I think that's fair. Fair to say. Oh, I don't, uh, I, I don't want to go into the physical health of, of either woman. I don't think that's necessarily a place where we need to be. Going. Uh, well, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, and, I think it, it like two years and out for real law to get everything kind of going in the right direction, get the campus, uh, the on-campus stadium up and running the IPF. I think it was the clear bridge. And I think uh, general badass, which is just a top notch name. I mean, come on. Like you could have had a president whose nickname is general badass. Like that's pretty impressive. Uh, general tally. He was a great option as well. His, you know, his military experience was phenomenal. His, uh, you know, academia experience was just as long and impressive. I think, Steve, you kind of brought it up initially in, in Slack channel. Like, uh, this was a dude. Like, there was a reason why he was the, the only guy not to drop out. Like, I mean, I got a shot here. I mean, not really, but, like, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, so, his – sorry, I just want to say his academia, it took four tweets for me to get just – his academia like four tweets times 260 is what almost a thousand characters just to talk about his education didn't even talk about his military experience or any other thing that's applicable here it's ridiculous so general badass uh i think it would have been a fine asset to the university as well but the, the thing that i have often complained about with usf is that a lot of people come in here and they try and impose a culture one of them might be our football coach um, and they don't work with the culture that's already here. And you have to be able to strike that balance between the two. And I think for where USF is right now, we have some challenges that we just need to solve. Finally solve in terms of student experience, in terms of how we allocate our resources for the university, in terms of how we hire deans, um, and in terms of the College of Medicine, which is a whole other separate entity, which is probably if you're the president of the University of South Florida, you're dealing with medical and medicine, you know, at least 40 percent of your day, 50 percent of your day. I mean, that's the biggest chunk of, of what the university does. So I think getting somebody in here who understands where we fall short and where we have continued to fall short and won't try and just up you know, uproot everything root and branch 
but but sort of just trim the edges of the bushes a little bit to get us in a better position for somebody who might come in and, and do a little more root and branch type of work later. Um, I think that was definitely the way to go. Colin, you, your favorite phrase, my favorite phrase over the last four years as we've gone through uh, now what two presidential searches was, you know, let's, let's kind of branch it over to athletics, so to speak is, uh, you know, athletics is the front porch to university and real lot. She said it. It's like the family guy episode where Peter Griffin goes insane when they say the title of the movie in the movie, like Superman, like part four, he returns or whatever it was. Like she, she said the thing that we've been clamoring for, for, four years now and i she understands it and that's why she's i think that's why she jumped out in front and that's why you know from when she took over as the interim president she's like no i'm not really here for the long haul so to speak and then as it kind of got into you know the nitty-gritty of her you know really helping spearhead the performance facility with michael kelly and will weatherford and mike griffin to now the on-campus stadium it was just a natural progression. And um, it's true. That part's truly refreshing to find a president right now who thinks athletics is important. It's not as important as academics, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we, we understand that, but it's brand recognition. No one cares. No one cares about your academics. If you're bad at sports, unless you're an Ivy league school. So, Yes. Holistically, yes. Your, your image is a university, especially for a newer school, you know, that doesn't have hundreds of years of tradition. Um, you're never going to get the respect academically, uh, um, you know, unless you have a, a good public facing image. And we simply, you know, don't have that. I think USF is qualified in all ways to be a member of the AAU, um, which is needs to be the overriding goal of the university. And Absolutely. Continue. I mean, you got to be. To get where the school wants to be um, as an institution, they got to be an AAU school. When that happens, I don't know. But I, I would say now, if you look at what would be pure schools, um, they certainly qualify. So um, it, it's a challenge. And sports needs to help raise the brand profile of the university. Here's the thing. you know, Our, our friends in Oviedo, who just keep beating our ass up and down the world, as of late, they won't get in the AAU before while any of us are alive. I mean, that's just, they're, they're not academically anywhere near. I mean, you know, they can't even get the, the, the medical center going. They're trying to get a law thing going that didn't work out. And then, you know, they just, they continually shoot themselves in the foot seven ways from Sunday. So academically we are, Light years ahead. And it's not just preeminent university. It's it's holistic. Look at the size of the endowments. It's not close. Um, but if you ask a, a casual person living in Nebraska, where's the better place to go to school? What's the school you've heard of? What you know, it's it's gonna be them because they have one more football games. And so I, I think committing to athletics the way it should have been committed to, you know, as soon as they joined the Big East. Instead of saying we're done here and actually investing, um, I think that finally gets done now. I think the alignment is much better. Yeah. Um, the good thing about hiring Real Law is, you know, Real Law has been a member of the board of trustees of the University of South Florida. So she knows what the board's looking for. And 
she knows what she what they want to see. So everybody's on the same page. You got a president on board that's on the same page. And we have, I, I think that's hugely valuable right now. So let's let's see what she can do to smooth out some of the very rough edges. Um, let's see if she can be a part of making a- athletics better. But more importantly, I think financially, you know, getting more investment in the university, more research dollars, this new tech park that they're trying to build, which looks to me kind of like a startup incubator, similar to the one that I worked at previously before I worked for DK. Um, seems like a, a, a very worthwhile project and something that we probably should have been investing in earlier. Um, and so these are all priorities and I think we've got the right person for these things. Um, but from an athletic standpoint, man, you just got to win games and you raise money and win games and you yep. know, the stadium's part of that, but get dollars and, and get W's. And that's the only thing that really matters right now, because <laughs> until that happens, all the rest of this is nobody cares. Nobody's going to believe in anything USF does until they actually do it. And that is earned. So, yep. um, get dollars, get dubs. That's, that's got to be the that's got to be the mantra. Speaking of getting dollars, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning owner Jeff Finnick and his wife uh, Penny, I believe is her name, or Peg. It is Penny. Yes, Penny uh, donated five million dollars for the on-campus stadium. Uh, it is the second five million dollar gift uh, in what a month and a half or so. Uh, first, first initially by the more Sandy family, who have been longtime supporters of the University of uh, USF football. So they're they're at least up to ten million dollars publicly. Um, Colin, the I mean, really, the reason I brought you on here, uh, you kind of understand the minutia when it comes to this. You know, maybe uh, maybe not get you know nerd out a little bit, but right. you know, high level. What what's the number that USF really kind of needs to get to uh, liquid cash, and you know how how does the payouts on these big donor gifts typically work? And how can they bond against it? Uh, things like that. So we can start putting shovels and grounds and start planning our 2026 uh, home opener off of Sycamore. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be the largest financial project in the history of the university. And it's going to take some liquidity that you have now. It's going to take some bond debt. It's going to take some CITF dollars. It's going to take uh, some legislative approvals, uh, board of governors, not just the board of trustees, but the board of governors is going to need to be involved. Um, you're going to need foundation dollars. You're going to need personal seat licenses in some capacity. You're going to need naming rights. All of that. You have to get all of that. And then maybe you can get a shovel in the ground. So people hear $5 million and they go, well, we need $200 and blah, blah, million dollars for a stadium. You don't need 200 and some million dollars liquid. It's not like you have to have you know, a savings account with 200 and you know, some million dollars in it. But you you need some money to to get some some base level and think of it like a mortgage. You know, if you get a mortgage, generally you want to put about twenty percent down. So you would think that USF would want to have in liquid cash before naming rights, before CITF, before all the other dollars. You want to have probably fifty, sixty million dollars liquid. Now I, that is me projecting. Um, I after this happened today, I, I called some folks and I'm going to talk to some people a little bit later this week and. And make sure that my numbers are right here and that I'm generally kind of on the right path. Um, but I want to make sure that people understand that a $5 million gift isn't 2% of what you need to build a stadium. It's probably closer to like 10% of what you need to build a stadium and to get a shovel in the ground. And so that kind of liquidity is going to be massive. 
Now, the way these gifts generally work, and this is from me working in development of you know million years ago, but I don't think too much has changed in this aspect. So Morsani gives five million, then it gives five million. It's not like they went to the you know the teller and said, Can I get five million in cash and like handed bricks over to the foundation? Generally, it's a gift agreement that is a term of five years to 10 years. So, uh, you know, Mr. Morsani will, has a, signed a, a pledge that he will give either $500,000 a year for 10 years or a million dollars a year for five years. And that money will come into the foundation with the designation that it will be used for a on-campus football stadium. Mr. Vinnick probably did the same thing. I'm projecting here. I don't know. These agreements are not FOIAable. They are you know, um, held because they are, you know, if somebody's giving you money, you don't necessarily want that, that gift splashed all over the newspapers, you know what I mean? Or outside of, of your context. So people who give money to the university can do so privately. That's a good thing. We don't want to get in the way, but generally it's five to 10 years, give or take. Um, that will be added to other dollars that have already been raised for a stadium. Um, you know, and it will all go into one pool. And then that pool of money will be used as a base for, okay, well, we've got, let's say $50 million. And we think the stadium is going to cost 250 million. I'm making these numbers up. We will float a bond for the additional $200 million. Um, and that bond will have a, it will be a AAA government bond backed at whatever rate um, that People will be able to return, you know, depending on what interest rates are. I guess interest rates are going up right now, which is probably not really good for USF. Um, but interest rates will rise and, and that bond will be based on that number. Um, the other components here are CITF dollars, capital improvement trust fund dollars. So once every three years, there's a, a piece of tuition for, um, you at, for students at the school. And that portion of tuition is put into a fund. And then every three years, the university gets to spend that money on non- I, I forget the term, but like non, non-academic or infrastructure or something like that. There's a, I'm, I'm, I'm out of practice, but I used to know these things cold. Basically it's money that you can use for a football stadium. It's the money that was used to redo the roof at the Sundome. It was money to use to rehab the Sundome. It was money used for, um, if you know, you put a food court in Cooper hall, it can be used for that but it can't necessarily be used for academic programming. So it's designed for exactly what this is, which is building a football stadium. Um, that money is generally tens of millions of dollars that comes available once every three years. That will go into this pool as well. That'll be part of the, the liquidity and the down payment. Um, then you're going to have to write a projections and pro forma of how you think you'll make money with the stadium. This is where I think it gets really interesting because like the pro forma for the Sundome rehab you look at it now and you just, you can't help but laugh because like, I remember it said, well, there's like eight suites or 12 suites and we'll all sell them at $10,000 a year or $30,000 a year or whatever it was. And you can get a suite in the Sun Dome if you call over to the ticket office right now for a basketball game. Uh, Steve, have you done this? <laughs> this schlep did that one day. So that tells you how accessible uh, that is. <laughs> right. Like, you know, the, you know, the, the pro forma is just like, okay, yeah, people are going to pay $30,000 a year to watch USF basketball. Sure. Gotcha. And then tickets. Remember, it was like 30000 for the suite, and then you had to buy the tickets on top of it. It was like a Ray J type deal. So, okay, Batman, good luck with that. Um, so I just worry about 
what that performa looks like and what they think attendance is going to look like, because you're not building a stadium that you're not saying that we're not going to sell at least 75 to 80% of the seats for every game. Well, mm-hmm. you better start winning some games. You're going to sell 75, even in a smaller stadium, you need to sell some seats. Um, students are going to have to step up here too. There's going to be a, a tuition increase on or another additional fee, but those fees have been part of you know, how universities in the state of Florida have built infrastructure time immemorial. You know, I paid for the Marshall Center that you see now. My tuition dollars paid for that. Somebody paid for me to go to Cooper Hall and to the new dorms that were built while I was in school. So it just sort of like it's always paying forward and you're always just like sort of floating a bond that goes the next way. So the students are going to have to approve, but the students have to approve that. Um, the board of trustees has to approve that. There's all of these different components come in, but don't think that like you get a $5 million gift and you go, well, we still need another $245 million. You don't, you're going to have other money coming in the door and you're going to float a bond for a lot of this. So this is a major step forward. You know, let's celebrate this because we're going to need more people to do it and we're getting closer, but don't think it's like, we're only 2% of the way there. Cause that's not how this works. It's going to be a massive financial component. Um, I'll get in. I, basketball season's over. I'm back to being human again. I slept all day yesterday after 23 days in Vegas and five days in New Orleans. How are you still so, alive? I barely. Let me tell you. Look, I had <laughs> Nathan. I had a free ticket to the national championship game, and I said no because I just wanted to go home. Like that's the level of tired that we were dealing with. <laughs> so. Um, the other thing, and if I had stayed, I wouldn't have been able to get out until Thursday. I either had to fly home Monday or fly home Thursday. There were no Tuesday flights. There were no Wednesday flights at all. So it was go home now or stay three more days in New Orleans. And I'm like, I just can't, can't do it. Ugh. So, yeah, I know. Right. So, um, you know, I, we're look financially, we're kind of ahead of where I thought we'd be like the fact that we got a shovel in the ground for the IPF. And I think it's going to be up. I mean, are, I don't know. I haven't seen any official announcement. Are we planning on practicing there? Like fall practice is going to be in. The yeah, show? it'll. It, it should be open by July. I, that if you had told me Michael Kelly would have had that thing up and we would have been practicing by the by July 2022 indoors. Full full extension, full extension. Like I did not see that coming. I didn't, especially with the financial position that the university was in. That is a miracle. And that is everybody pulling in the same direction. That is Will Weatherford and Mike Griffin and the rest of the board and the donors to the university and the athletic department. I didn't think they'd get it done that fast. And the fact that they're talking like, like you said, 2026 for a stadium, 2027 is like an outlier. Okay, let's go. Like, I, I believe that that's going to happen. Whether that turns into wins, whether people show up, how much debt it's going to be taken on, how much of a risk this is going to be for the university as a whole. Those are all questions that I have separate. But that's, that's tomorrow's problem. That's tomorrow's problem. Like we'll get there. when we get there. They're going for it. They're going for it and they're going to do it. Like here's the thing that I think people don't understand. And I have, look, Ken Erickson, you blow your spot up here a little bit, Kenny. I love you, but I'm going to do this. There was like a proposal for a softball stadium that Kenny would show recruits that like, I don't know, probably 1999, 2000, you know what I mean? 
those kids never had any chance of playing in that stadium, you know? Um, the trailers, you know, a lot of kids got recruited. It's like the Selman Center is coming online, and it and it finally did one day for a football facility or a half football facility. We've never moved with lightning speed on these things. That's just sort of how USF has done things. They've been extremely financially conservative fiscally. Uh, they just didn't invest. They didn't. There wasn't a lot of want to. Um, that's not this. They're going to go for it. They're swinging. Big swinging dicks are are coming here. And the big swinging dicks want a stadium and the big swinging dicks are going to get a stadium. Sir. And now how that's going to, the financial impact of that to the university down the long run, I don't know, but this is going to happen. And it's going to happen faster. Than once again, that is tomorrow's problem. We'll tomorrow's figure, problem. Yeah, that's sure. tomorrow's problem. Who cares? Do it now. Uh, and yeah. Colin, I don't know if you've been back on campus recently or, I mean, you've been gone for like a month, so probably not. Um, it's really cool watching a baseball game from the Donaldson deck and you look out and you see the the bones of the IPF and then you just imagine, you know, in four years, the bones of the on-campus stadium are just going to be beyond that. Like it, the vision is there and that's what that's what, you know, it's probably kept us uh, in the game a little bit longer. I think over the last year and a half, it's been pretty trying, but to, you know, be a fan and uh, you know, these small glimmers of hope that just kind of keep building regardless of the on-field product. And we'll get to the on-field product here shortly. It's at least getting the, the off the field stuff right for right now. And that, that's solving the problem, which, which what, what do we always say? We, somebody needs to come in and solve the problem. And I think Michael Kelly, though you look at our records on the field, again, it's in baseball and softball and football and, and, and you go, well, shit, how is this program getting better? They're getting better because they're solving the problem. And that that's hard. Like, it's hard to watch. And it doesn't help. And I popped off on Twitter because I thought with Jeff Scott not wanting game film for Saturday is, a, is an absolute goddamn joke. I mean, that's, that's so stupid. But look... If if that's if that's the worst of it, if I'm okay, with, it's fine. You know what I mean? Because they're solving the problem. If I'm if I'm going to an indoor practice facility ribbon cutting in three months, and I'm going to, I'm I'm getting hit up for PSL money by two years from now. Okay, all right. You know what? And then if we still fail, then if we still suck, I'm done. Done, but they're making. They got the right people. Everybody's on the right page, and they're making the right decisions. It sucks right now, and but it's this bet. And if this month, I believe that this is a darkest before the dawn situation. You're you're probably right, and it sucks. You know, women's basketball, baseball, and softball. I think they're like a combined seventy five and twenty four over their the course of their most recent seasons. Except they're zero and nine against the team in Oviedo, and I think Jesus Christ, that's like these three teams are really—they were really good, except for that one thing. And once they figure out that one thing, it—it's curtains. Well, even then, in like two years, it doesn't matter anyways because we're never going to play them again. We're never playing. I saw I, way, I saw Jeff Sharon. 
I saw Jeff Sharon uh, because the Big 12, I guess, doesn't have men's soccer. Um, they were talking about how uh, their their men's soccer team still going to stay in the American, and I nearly threw up on my phone. Oh no, they're uh, going to the, the new Sun Belt. Is that agreed to? Has the has the conference agreed to allow Central to continue to play men's soccer? They're Not yet. The new Sun Belt. I I mean that'd be a pretty good that'd be a pretty good soccer conference because they've got Louisville, South Carolina, and Kentucky, or they have three and SEC Mar- schools and, and Marshall. Yeah, who's like really good at soccer? Yeah, they like, got like that'd be a that's a, like the fun belt and like men's soccer will be actually actually fun. Um, but Colin, I know you're old. Uh, you've been kind enough to give us some time. I want to end it on on a high note, some fun stuff. Um, the Masters start on Thursday. You've you've kind of dove headfirst in, into golf coverage after after the. You know, NCAA tournament set. I know you're a big golf guy. I, I love golf. I'm terrible at it, but I love every single bit of it. Uh, I'll, I'll start with Seth and we'll end with Colin. Seth, who's, who's your master's favorite? And does Tiger being in the field change anything for you? So it makes it more fun to watch. Uh, I don't think he's going to come in and win. That would be a that'd be a shocker. I think I saw he's the most bet golfer in like every category, including to miss the cut, to make the cut, to win, to top 10, to top 20. Seth, if most- he wins, I might be unemployed. That's how much the bookies <laughs> are leveraged here. Like, yeah. it's bad, dude. If he if he wins this tournament, they're, I believe Circa said today that you, it is a very, they will lose a very, very, very nice house. If what do you think, what do you think CBS offered him to play? What do you think they would have offered him? No. $10 yeah. and a free pimento sandwich. Like a yeah. 24-7 Uber to a local Perkins. Remember, CBS doesn't make a lot of money on the Masters. They because there's only four minutes of commercials per hour, and they basically pay for the time. So, um, yeah, there's CBS doesn't have a huge incentive, but his brand needs this. Yeah, I mean, Um, you know, although he's wearing Foot Joy Spikes instead of Nikes, which is crazy. Like, well, because he's an old man now. Yeah, and he's, he's transitioning yeah. <laughs> like every other. Like one. if New Balance, if New Balance had like good golf shoes, I think he'd probably wear those. Yeah, for sure. Like he's just he had to. He said Nike. He's still working with Nike to get the the things figured out after his ankle. But yeah, mm-hmm. the books are so. I have this is as of like five p.m. today. Tiger at fifty to one is getting fifteen percent of the cash and thirteen percent of the bets. Um. Generally, if you see somebody getting more cash than percentage of bets, that is the sharp side. But I can tell you in this case, it's just it's just Southern dudes just fire idiots like, like me. He's back. He's back. LT Gray is back. You don't want to be you don't want to be the guy that didn't bet on Tiger if he wins. Right. I mean, right. even, yeah, if, no, even if you put a few bucks down, right? I mean, it's still yeah. fun. But uh, Seth, who's 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 your pick to win it? Uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough field because there's so I, I'm going to go with Victor Hovland just with um, not quite at the top there, but uh, a young guy that's played pretty well in majors. And I think if his putter gets hot, he does everything else really well. Um, So I, I like him. I, I think he's played there. Well, he played there. I think he was low amateur there a few years back. He's a pretty good player. Uh, I'm a big Hovland fan, so I like him. Is kind of he's in. I think he's like ninth on DK in terms of odds. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, plus two thousand. There's, there's a lot of value there. Um, the, the, I look for me. The board has incredible value 
because Tiger's sucking up so much value. Mm-hmm. So like so much of the money is on Tiger that I think if you just spread across a, a wide variety of players this week, I think you can find some some spots um, that are that are going to be pretty good. I like a guy so, like Kucher for like a top ten. He plays pretty well at Augusta a lot, um, and he's he's a localish guy. He's a Georgia guy, I believe. So he plays pretty well there, and he's been playing pretty well this year. Um, so he's another guy I kind of like to bet at Augusta. He's never won, but he's played well there in the past. And then uh, Russell Henley's another guy. I think he's a Georgia guy that's played really well this year. Uh, doesn't have a ton of success, I don't think, in the Masters previously, but a uh, local guy that's playing well. He's at uh, plus 3,500 to win. And 300 for a top 10, Yeah, so which is a good one, too. Um, I'll give you – I'll so I have sources, my sources in the golf community, um, tell me Glover at 300, get there, get it in. Uh, Rom to make the top 10 is plus 120. I think that's good. I was all fade Tiger. And let me tell you, because fading Tiger was like minus 105 so to make the cut, I should say. It was like minus 105 to make the cut, 115 to not make the cut. and Or flip that. Um, and I was all in on just like, well, Tiger's not making the cut. And I talked to some people who were at Augusta watching the practice rounds going. He's making the cut. And he's, and he's playing. He's hitting the ball. His club speed is a little bit down. But otherwise, his touch is right there. Everything's right there. He looks great physically. You know, he seems to be in really, really good shape. Um, so I was all in on fading Tiger. And everybody's like, don't fade Tiger. So I go, okay. Um, my smart golf people um, have... Uh, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, top 10. Um, they say those are really good bets. Um, I kind of like that as well. Um, those guys are steady. Yeah. And that's why that's kind of their thought process there. Um, there's some fade, there's some fade Brooksy out there, um, going on right now. I don't know why. Um, He's like 80%. He's not, he's not healthy. Plus yeah. Perpetually. And, And apparently he's got a wedding coming up too. Um, and distracted <laughs> distractions, distractions right now are, are is high. His hair, is his hair back or is it still? I don't know. Oh, you said, sorry. You said Brooks. I thought you said Bryce. I was like, he's hurt. Uh, uh, oh yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Brooksy, um, uh, Brooks Kepka, um, brother of USF Brooks Kepka. legend, Chase Kepka. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, that's good. Fleetwood to make the top 10 is plus 600. There's probably some value there. Um, Justin Rose is also at plus 600, um, some value for a top 10. Maybe if you even want to get a little frisky, a little top five at plus 1400 sounds good. Um, so yeah, I think there's plenty of value on this board, but like, here's what I don't understand. I know he's not playing his best right now, but Rory McIlroy was built to play this course. Why is, why is McIlroy still getting 21 here? Like if I'm, if I had to pick a winner on value, I'd more, I would rather Shane Lowry too. If you're yeah. going, but if you're going Irishman, I'm taking Shane over Rory right now. But I, I, but I feel like on, especially now. I mean, they moved the tee box back in 15. They moved the tee box on 11. Um, they've made some course changes that that are going to favor longer hitters. Not that Augusta doesn't already favor super long hitters anyway. Um, but with the changes, you know, it seems like it, it even favors the the bombers more. And so I kind of want a guy who's like scary long and Rory's certainly a top 10% tour distance guy. Um, 
You got any dark horses, Colin? I also like speaking of Colin Morikawa's another guy that yeah is he a, can he can he be a dark horse though like no I mean, he's not a dark horse. major he, winner he's about the same he he's about the he's I think he's got the same odds as Rory so he's kind of in that yes. upper echelon group but who's your dark horse somebody way <sighs> in the back so I have made a lot of money betting against this guy on Sundays uh, in my life not that I'm betting golf at week to week but when I do I tend to fade Tony Finau on Sunday and I do very well. Um, <laughs> But this just might be his. It just seems like the stars are kind of aligned at 60 to one. There seems to be a little value. on. I mean, he's certainly got the game. The game is like not even a question with that dude. Like he can very much win this tournament on talent. There's no doubt. But will he get in his own head or not? Um, Kevin Na at 130 to one. Like. I, I like it. You know, I mean, I, I think he wins this tournament more than one out of 130 times for sure. I mean, I wouldn't have him as a favorite. Um, and then a lot of people are on Tom Hoagie this week, but I feel like that, that ship sort of sailed a little bit. Um, but we'll see. He's a 200. Yeah, I want, I, pa- I want Patty Harrington to have just like one more, like top 20 run. That's, that's my dream. He was, you know, there's not many very good Irish golfers. So when when they're when they pop pop up, I hang on to them for dear life. Like Rory's actually from Northern Ireland. It's where I'm from. Uh, Patty and Shane are both from the Republic. So they're I mean, they're fine. But like. I, w- I would love like Rory was my guy. You want a tickle? Here's a good tickle. Larry Mize, 500 to one to be the first round leader. <laughs> Don't hate it. Don't I mean if you really want to take a big swing and just like pay for your Breckman's Breckman's uh, passes for next year. <laughs> right. I got I got I got three long guys that are long shots that are, are interesting. I think Webb Simpson okay. is like plus thirteen thousand is what it looks like. That's uh, right. He's he's a guy that's played really well there in the past. I think he was second a few years ago. <laughs> He's plus um, sixty right now to win to after first round and I believe yeah one thirty yeah Webb and then uh, Gary Woodland is a guy that's that's uh, I think he's pretty long off the tee if I recall correctly he won the Open a few years back he's been playing pretty well this year uh, but and he can get hot he's I think he's had some pretty good a pretty good run of play this year so far and then uh, a guy named uh, Taylor. Gooch, he leads. Yeah. The tour. He leads the tour as an Eagles on par fives. So and if th- you- that's the thing about Augusta is that they're of the four par fives, three of them are eagle gettable. Yeah, so he, he, le- he leads the tour in Eagles from par fives, and he's right there. He's uh, one hundred thirty to one, I believe, as well. So if you want my best prop of the week, I put this out on Twitter because I couldn't believe it, and I still think it's wrong. Um, 72nd hole leaders winner of the golf tournament 72nd hole to bogey the, the last plus 330 that hole got even harder because they moved the tee box back 15 yards um because people were carrying the bunker on 18 and so now they're not doing that anymore so they nobody can reach the bunker now and which means if you've got a two-shot lead going in you're playing as a five-shot hole um and by the way you could be the leader and just play it as a trying to make par and still make bogey because it's legitimately like a par four and a half. Like it's a, it's often the toughest hole on the course, depending. Um, so plus three thirty for the winner to seventy uh, second hole um, bogey. I like it a lot. Um, 
winner to birdie the 72nd hole is plus 180 there. I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot hole. What is a playoff? Playoff specials. Three man playoff is plus 1,000. Four man playoff is or better. Four man or higher is plus 5,000. Will there be a playoff is plus 300? Fair enough. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on, Colin, and, and you know talking real law and, and Jeff Phoenix donation as well as Masters. I, I wanted to get it in because uh, you know it's it's Masters week, baby. Let's go! I'm pumped. Masters week, baby. Let's, Let's go! I'm Tiger, so ten thirty tomorrow, boys. Let's do it. Oh, let's go. go. Um, my work day's no, planned out. I appreciate you jumping on, Colin. You can go to bed now, and uh, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll continue talking about the spring game. I, I'm going to try my hardest to make uh, Steve cry. So I appreciate I'm you joining. Hey, I'm a, if I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but the goal, I'm going to try to move some bodies around. I'm going to try and get out there. Cause I feel like if you yell about it, uh, how it should be streamed on, on the internet, you, <laughs> you should probably show up. You should probably show up. So uh, I'm going to do everything I can to get out there, but um, yeah. And by the way, if, if anyone wants to take some subversive video and send it to me afterwards, I'd be very happy. Thank you. Yes. I'm getting my spy glasses ready. <laughs> yeah, because now now we have the super secret place. After after two years and one FBS win, now the Glen Gary leads are out. Okay, back. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, Colin. Kick him out. Kick him out, Seth. Oh. <laughs> Kicked himself out. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, well, uh, well, Steve. Well, Oh, so you guys just bore me to death with golf talk for 35 minutes and then uh, to sleep. Yeah. God, I, to sleep so that we was, can, was, that was uh, the most boring thing I've ever listened to for the past. <laughs> Listen, man, Victor Hovland, baby. How how can how can you not like the like the Masters, man? It's like the Super Bowl. Like, oh, I watch the Masters. I just I, I don't pay attention to what happens before or after. I'm like, all right, I'm coming in blind. It's like it's like the people that like you know some people like to know a little bit about a movie before going to watch it. I'm one of those people. I'm like, all right, if it's on, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to watch some dude I've never heard of maybe see a, a, a known golfer. You know, I always joke about making a, making a tiger woods joke, but I'm not going to do that on this here podcast. Cause we're family friendly. I've got a really embarrassing master story. If you guys would like to hear it. Always. It's not crazy embarrassing, but it's, it's kind of embarrassing. So I got to go to the masters one year with my, uh, with my brother. We went up. Um, I had to, I had a football meeting. I think we went on a Friday. So I had a football meeting at six that lasted. I was supposed to get out at six on Thursday. And then we were going to drive up and uh, stay at my, my now wife. She was in school in Georgia. We're going to stay at her apartment and just sleep there for a little bit and then drive over. Right. And it was still like a two hour drive. So we, my football meeting didn't end up getting out to like eight o'clock. We got in the car, we got to her apartment at like three or four in the morning. And then we had to get up at like five thirty or six to leave to make it in time for uh, to get in. So because we had to meet somebody for tickets because the tickets are really weird. So I actually ended up not sleeping. I just couldn't get to sleep, and I just like I got to get up in, in an hour anyway. So I'm just going <laughs> to stay up. So we went. We got our tickets. We went. Uh, we went and sat down in some of the stadium seating. And I definitely like fell asleep for like five or ten minutes at the Masters. <laughs> And my, my brother was my brother was like you oh you missed like six groups I, I'm like that's the guy that was teeing off I know like I, I wasn't <laughs> sleep that long he's like all right yeah but he always <laughs> he always rags me for falling asleep with the masters I, I you know it can, it can be boring sometimes when uh there's guys you don't care about teeing off in front of you 
I just took my little <clears throat> booklet, put it over my eyes, and I was out. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into the reason why we're here. Um, Steve, this trial. is yeah, this is actually your intervention. Um, spring games matter, okay? Nope. Mm-hmm. In the yes. fact, <laughs> in the yes. fact that. <laughs> And the fact that it is a branding opportunity for your school, for your team, for your program, for the players that you're going to be bringing in in the fall. That is it. On-field product could not care less. Can I counter? You're both wrong no. now. <laughs> Listen, Seth, I have been duped by one too many Elijah Max uh, at, during the spring to believe that spring matters. The only thing that the only thing that really translated from last spring game to the season was Tim McLean and Xavier Weaver having a deep ball connection. That was the the one through line from the spring game to the the season, and it was great. I loved it. I I hope to find you just at least one thing this year. I think we will, um, but I it's tough, and and I mean. Your your last real practice of spring, or you know, your full go. It was it was the previous Saturday scrimmage. Like this is for the fans. Make it for the fans. And I get Jeff Scott's whole case. Hey, we we have two coordinators that haven't coordinated in like three years. So why are we going to give them any film? You guys run the basic vanilla ass offense and defense in the spring the spring game anyway. Just because you're that paranoid to begin with. So why why not open it up a little bit more to the fans who can't watch or the fans who want to watch it again? Because I'm maybe it's selfish because I'm in the media and I I will digest it and watch it a bunch of times. Seth, you and I will do we'll have we'll have film room sessions about it. Like we we will talk about what we see in the spring game. That's kind of I mean our livelihood, and I am putting this in like this. We dot like. We die Why? by this. Our paychecks. Yeah, people <laughs> listening to the podcast can't see how many times I'm doing air quotes, but they're like, coming for my content, basically. Basically, it's why we brought you on. It's why you replaced Stieg, and you know, every single day since Stieg's spring game fiasco, uh, just heel turn. I'm more grateful every single day that I made the right decision. And this is, yeah, this is how he decides to lash out by saying spring games don't matter. They really, <laughs> really hurtful. But I, I think in in terms of on the field, does it matter totally? No, I mean, I think you can draw some conclusions, but not really. It's more of like an individual player basis and not like we're going to be really good or we're going to be terrible. I think you can kind of see some guys playing well and say, okay, this guy, like last year, Xavier Weaver, you're like, he, you, when, when the year before he never he hardly played at all, and we were kind of like, where was he? And then the spring, he's oh okay, yeah, he is he is pretty good, um, and that carried over obviously. But like you said, I think a spring game is like, especially if you're streaming it yourself, it's a three hour commercial for your program that you get to control the messaging on, that you get to kind of set the tone on how your team will be presented. It's not going to be a television partner or somebody else, uh, kind of talking about your team it'll be your people so you can put a really good spin on what you have on campus what you're doing all the awesome videos they've been taking in the spring you can show those at halftime or show those when you cut in from commercial or show those as the commercial breaks right all 
all that kind of stuff that maybe people that aren't on Twitter would would get exposed would or wouldn't have the chance to get exposed to. That's where they can kind of see that kind of stuff. But you know, I, I think it's just kind of um to me, it's just a whiff in terms of just kind of a from a public relations fan relations perspective. Like, is it necessary? No, is it a big deal? Not really. Like I told Steve, we were talking about it. I was like, Steve, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't necessarily <laughs> think you're wrong, but I disagree with you. So, and I was like, does that make sense? He's like, yeah, it makes sense. So, yeah, I, I think it should be streamed um, just because I think it's helpful for your fans' growth. Is it going to be like the biggest watch thing? Absolutely. Probably not. not but, you know, I, I think it just gives more options to fans. Now, they they're seem to be putting a lot into the actual in-game experience and the post-game experience. So that's good to see. Um, the only thing is like you're wanting to drive all these people to the stadium, but then everyone's also getting in for free. So I think maybe that's kind of they're like this is our the the fan we they want the in person experience. So we're gonna give the fans an in person extra experience for free. So right. they're trying to make up right. for it on that end, but it's yeah. like they, they've put uh the spring game like behind their like Patreon wall, except like it's free, but you have to be there. Yeah. If that makes any it's, sense. Yeah, <laughs> Which, and, and I get it. And I, I want, in fairness, because I never really like, I, I don't get too super serious on the, the Bird app or anything like that. I, I totally understand the frustrations, uh, especially from everyone who's out of state. You and you and Seth, Nate, like, you know, there there is a, a group of people who very much are all in on streaming spring games, watching them and everything like that. And when I say spring games don't matter, they matter. You know, ultimately, it's it's the pageantry of it. It's, you know, when you look at other schools around the state of Florida, you know, the orange and blue game is a big deal of Florida and, and they make it a big deal. I, I just think in the grand scheme of things right now for this program um, and whether you think it's stupid or not is is up for debate. But right now, Jeff Scott needs needs to win football games and. If he believes that, you know, hey, you know, there's no film on Travis Trickett's offense from the past three years, they're going to have to dig through Georgia State's and FAU's shitty ass film to figure that out. Or, or, you know, there's only so much you can do on defense. So shoot side of the ball doesn't matter that much. But like if you can come out and some way somehow beat BYU and BYU's head coach was like, yeah, we didn't really know what was, you know, come to expect, you know, it's it, it's all for null and and they'll stream the game next year and it'll be all fine and dandy. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll all, you know, enjoy our Saturday nights uh, watching the spring game together while having beverages and everything. But I, I just think if for how dire it is for Jeff Scott to win a football game, if he can do that one teeny tiny thing that might, you know, they might not have film of a, of a, of a bread and butter play that USF, like a, a good look at it their safety, you know, misses a tackle or something like that, especially like, uh, I know we joked about that Derek Sharp video about the bunch formation, but like if, if the safety doesn't get, get a good read on that, it doesn't completely see the field on it. You know, that could be a broken play. Jimmy Horn scores completely yeah. different ball game. That video actually showed a lot. Which it did. It really did. Was <laughs> <one>. <laughs> it was, it they, they had Derek Sharp after there. they were like, delete it. <laughs> Derek got disappeared. If you don't see him on Twitter anymore. So it like showing bunch, which now BYU, if they weren't preparing for it, they will. I think they've done. I think Trick has done bunch in the past, and then they also showed how USF was playing the bunch, which was boxing it, which is just like one different way. So if that's how they're going to totally play the bunch, they've showed that too, which is something you learn, you know, in game. Um, 
But I just don't think I don't think that reason. I, I understand it. Yeah, okay, you got two new coordinators, but that doesn't really hold. Yeah, you no, know, I, I saw somebody. I saw somebody. I don't remember who it was. Somebody on Twitter was just like, if you you know if you play college football, you know how big spring game film was. I I played and coached college football. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, we had a we our first game when I was at Tuscan. We played a guy that was a new coordinator at the school hadn't been there before was coordinating on the NAIA level. We had to go talk to NAIA coaches and try to get film from them. We got it. He also had a clinic video that he put out about how he likes to run his coverages. I bought that and we watched that. And there's a tons of different, you know, Trigget's spoken at clinics before. Right. Shoop has spoken at clinics before. Shoop's been around for a long time running the same defense. And and I sent this to you, Steeg, but this is just I don't think this is gonna be the case. It's not we're not it's not gonna be September third, eight PM, and Kalani Sataki comes up there and says, you know, we had no idea what the fuck they were doing. (laughs) I heard them I heard them say when the defensive coordinator got hired that they were gonna be really aggressive, but I didn't think that meant they were gonna play man coverage and blitz. It's like they they kinda know what's coming already. I I couldn't believe he was multiple. He said I that. I heard him saying in interviews they're going to be four down, but you know what? We we didn't get ready for four down. It's like, yeah, is, is there going to be like a little bit of an advantage? Probably, but they also played last year. It, so it's I was about to say they, they played the, last they year. They know there's, the personnel. They know. Yeah, there's not there's not as much there as. Um, and I, I I get it on the defensive side because it's basically going to be a new scheme. But like literally the entire lead up from. Uh, Trickett's higher to like through the spring is yeah not much has changed on the offense we're just sharpening up some of the things a couple yeah. of new things but like it's basically the same offense so like red herring they're awesome. they're gonna get out there and run the wishbone oh that'd be I would oh man you'd have, to have get, a, I'd be so excited we have a special guest oh no another one please stop oh coming. here we go pretty please quit stalling special I'm tired of hearing that <laughs> <laughs> hello Senator Giggity how are you. Howdy, howdy. So, so you 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 uh, asked to offer uh, up an, an idiot uh, opinion. So here uh, you are. I do have idiot opines to purvey. I I do understand uh, the importance of <laughs> of watching a spring game. Thing is, spring games are supposed to be stupid fun for the most part. We are not an elite SEC fucking program. This is at 6 p.m. at night. We're here to, they're doing this to sell tickets. Every goddamn person in that are allowed in there that is a season ticket holder is allowed in the club just to say, hey, this could be better. It could be for you. I get that. And it's fun. We're not, we're not going to be a world beater this year. It's not a big fucking deal. I understand not wanting to see uh, or have things on film for BYU or Howard to, you know, whip our ass, but it's, <laughs> It's it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Like I've been to plenty of spring games. I grew up, uh, you know, in, in uh, Florida. I've been to, I've been to Florida states, and hell, I even went to a Miami spring game once. It's supposed to be, you know, kind of fun. The people take it too serious. They take it too serious. You're not going to see anything crazy, but obviously, obviously, you also don't want to see any of your fun stuff get put on film just in case you want to whip it out and the, the <laughs> and are you allowed to do that? Yeah. Are you allowed to do that in public? <laughs> I mean 
I've seen USF embarrass themselves in a number of ways while whipping. Usually they're pulling down their pants the other way. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, they don't even have to take their clothes off to get embarrassed. They, they no, I, I've, I've watched personally USF go ass first in public. So, <laughs> no, I, I think I think, <laughs> I think USF. Uh, especially, but spring games as a whole are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to say, "Hey, you know, we're going to do this. Let's let's get amped up. Let's have some let's have some uh, some spring game fun. Let's have you know everybody getting a little bit of tailgating, a little bit of uh, shit showing. Let's see what happens." I like it this season that it's 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 in Raymond James. I like I've liked it when it was in, in on campus, but it didn't have the same flair. So I get both sides. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I'm not Mitt Romney. I'm not trying to be a both sides guy, but <laughs> I get both sides. I, I do know they're, they're new coordinators. You don't want to see schemes on tape. I don't think the three USF fans in Idaho are going to miss out on seeing this shit, you know, live. So they're going to come down here and kick your ass for that. Well, you know, if they're from Idaho, they're probably fucking militia, and I don't blame them. <laughs> so that's my stupid take. Well, I appreciate you jumping on, uh, Mr. Giggity. Uh, always a pleasure when you decide to pop in. That's sad, uh, you bastard. Well, you know, did you won your re-election. I'm, I'm happy for you. Show the man. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, th- this is a, a lifetime appointment, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor bastard. Well, we lo- we love you. Uh, you we'll- poor bastard. Love you, bye. Love you too, bye. Um, so Steve, he thinks you're an idiot too. Obviously, yeah, everyone thinks I'm an idiot. On, no, I think yeah. it was on your side. So, Steve, here's the when you were kind of going through it. That, uh, so, I'm re- <laughs> let me preface this. By the way, Paige hated this entire thing. By the way, like she was like she was like stop fucking arguing with these people, and I'm like it's a spring game. So exactly, are you arguing with them? I get it. You're arguing with me. Um, so I'm rewatching the West Wing. Okay, and I'm like, I've just finished season two, but there was a part in season one where um, C.J. Craig, who is the press secretary, um, if you guys haven't watched the show from the 1990s, uh, it's a great show. It's on uh, HBO Max. Free plug for them. Um, but there's a, a part where one of the reporters goes up to CJ and says, you lied to me about so-and-so. And she goes, you're damn right. I did. If I, you know, uh, paraphrasing poorly here, but if I, you know, made them hesitate for even a half a second, then I've done my job. And, and, and that's basically what Jeff Scott is getting at. And so I, I completely understand if I've made BYU think or hesitate for even one second, I get it. And I, I completely understand that thought. I, you know, maybe I'm too stupid. I think I was listening to his comments uh, before we started recording and it may have been a, a, a subtle shot toward me about, you know, normal people may not understand this, but like Jeff, I'm not as dumb as I look. Right. Um, I, I completely understand why you, why you would want to do that. But I mean, you've you've had to go through this. You've gone through coordinator changes at Clemson. Like you, it doesn't it doesn't really matter that much, except for maybe the fan experience suffers. And that's that's all I'm getting at is you know the Susan Suzanne Wards of the world who travel every single to every single game from from Oregon. She flies into every single home game. She goes to every single game wherever they are in the country. Maybe she. Does, I mean, I'm sure she's flying in for the spring game, but. 
like that's who I'm thinking about, you know, outside of my selfish reasons. Like this woman has dedicated her life, her adult life to supporting USF, to going to all every single game. I think she's missed one in the entirety of USF football history. She's missed one game. And that's that's who I was thinking about when I kind of went off the handle a little bit. So, and I I was thinking of like, they're they're recruiting a lot of outside the state of Florida. Like, Oh, they're they're flying them all down. They're recruiting receive. You think they're going to fly a receiver? They're not. I mean, they got to, they got to pay for themselves though. Cause they're not bringing, they're not taking officials. Uh, You'd be surprised how many out of state kids are going to find their way to Florida in mid April. I know they're go to a football game on a Saturday and then from Ohio. Like, is that kid going to come down? They have a kid from. Game. They got. I know they recruited a bunch of yeah. kids in North Carolina, uh, the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. So that, 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 that's kind of what I was thinking of. Like, you just totally, you know, cut off their ability to see, and where you could be like, "Hey, man, check this. Hey, we're going to be on, you know, ESPN Plus. Check it out for a little bit. You can kind of see what we're doing. New right. co- new coaches, new coordinators, kind of see how you fit in the scheme. Um, and they could show them all that stuff in person. But it just, I, I just think it's just. I don't think it's a big deal either way, but to me, it just seems like a whiff from a fan perspective. I think right, so point of order. On the recruit, yeah, on the recruiting side, at least. Um, I mean, most of their efforts should be, you know, relayed towards the kids within 25 miles of Raymond James Stadium, anyways. But for those out-of-state kids, uh, uh, the few conversations that I've had, you know, most of them are coming, uh, like not necessarily coming down on their own dime, but want to come down because you know, coming from Maryland, Ohio, you know, might not come to Florida and everything, but they're angling this more towards, Hey, if you want to come down, great. But the reason the next time we want you to come down for an official visit is going to be shortly after July, you know, 25th when that indoor practice performance facility, is finally open. Like that's, that's the big recruiting plug. It's not, Hey, come look at our offense for a little bit. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. If you, yeah. if the game was streaming, you just say, "Hey guys, check it out," and then we're gonna right. bring you down when this stuff's ready. So hey, uh, I'm back all of a sudden. Uh, two things: I forgot my avatar was this. Also, yes. um, <laughs> second, do you think any recruit worth a goddamn is sitting at home on a Saturday night at 6 p.m. watching the fucking USF spring game? We'll never yeah, know. I, now, I, I, yeah, I think I think they might. Like, he's not gonna watch the whole thing, but I think if you're like, "Hey, check this out for five minutes." This is check out how we use Xavier Weaver. We think you're going to look, be like him. Well, yeah, but I think they, I think anybody, they show them the highlights from that. Maybe yeah. you know Monday, Sunday morning, Monday. You could morning. wait for the highlight, but I mean, it, Buddy, it's I, just, dude, it's I, I have never been an elite, elite athlete in my life, and I've never sat anywhere at six p.m. on a Saturday night watching some fucking spring game, except for when I was there. <laughs> Except for the times that I have, I never did. But again, I've never been an elite athlete. I was watching other elite athletes. I'm like, oh shit, that's crazy. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, man, we we went long tonight. I don't. I've got like a whole second half of the show that I want to do, but I I think I think we just ended here, guys. Well, we can we'll, we can, we'll, we can gloss through men's and women's basketball real quick. No, there's, I'm always there's, really good at ending programs. <laughs> There's no there, there's, there's no, no there's no glossing over men's men's basketball right now. I think it may have to be a, another night this week. Maybe a solo maybe a solo shot for well, for me. I didn't, I didn't know covering a, 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 an entire program with dirt was called glossing it over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Senator! Shout out, BG. 
I listen, said, if we don't, I said it so you didn't have to. <laughs> listen, if, if we don't, if we only want, if we don't want to stream things that are irrelevant, then we're not going to be streaming men's basketball anytime soon, right? Like, is that, is, I mean, I only stream men's basketball, but only uh, certain camps for USF at 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings. I want the most attention possible on this program. There you go. It doesn't. There it is. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. All right. So quickly, I'll do men's basketball quickly. Um, so February 28th, I got a text message at like 530 um, with four names that were going to be entering the transfer portal. Uh, Jalen McCreary, who obviously he I mean, he had left the team for personal kind of health reasons uh, in early February. That was kind of a foregone conclusion. Uh, Caleb Murphy, who entered the portal on Monday, I believe, uh, to uh, the surprise of uh, no one who's listened to us for a good little bit. Um, and then there's two others who are uh, – I've seen that they're practicing still, so we'll see what happens there. Um, won't release those names until it happens, if it does happen. But uh, the sources are usually really, really good about this. So it, it – could happen. I think um, you have until May 1st to enter the portal to be eligible to play the following season um, for the one-time transfer. So they still have, you know, three weeks to really make their decision. Um, see how the off season conditioning goes um, before making that decision to leave. Uh, but I, I wrote a story on Monday, I think it was Monday night, Tuesday night, um, basically kind of going over the current situation for men's basketball. Um, you're coming off an eight and 23 season where you lost by 10 or more points, 16 times. And over half of those were by 20 or 20 or more. So it's not like you were competitive with the team that you had and you just lost the highest rated recruit in the uh, two, four, seven era. Um, over the last what decade and a half, and he was your leading scorer. He was your leading assist uh, player. He was the guy you could rely on to consistently get the ball up the court against the press. He could get to the basket whenever he wanted. Now, if the f- shots fell, that's a different thing. I think he really worked. I think Caleb really worked on his mid range game this season, and it showed. Um, but he he was the most electric guy on the court for USF at any point over the last two seasons, and now he's gone. So now you got to come up with a point guard, and uh, God bless him, uh, Trey Moss uh, can't handle the press at all, and you saw it time and time again when Caleb would have to come out for a few minutes. Things would kind of go sideways on you, uh, and, and that's what Brian Gregory is going to have to deal with, and he's going to have to rebuild some of the faith within the, the fan base because – on the outside looking in, he got an extension for winning 20 games in two years. Now we know, you know, the extension was agreed to agreed to in like June of 2020, the height of the pandemic coming off a CBI tournament title. Now we can debate if a CBI title is worth, worth this kind of extension all day, every day. I, I get that, but the, the, the facts matter in this case, the context matter. And I said it in the story, like it's, it was just a bad beat. You announced that 
extension right after the CBI uh, CBI uh, title, you look like a genius. You have to wait. 75% of your roster transfers, if not more. Uh, you've got a racist comments from an assistant coach that helps spur on this turnover, the COVID year, and then you win eight games and you get blown out. And now you announce the extension in the middle of one of the worst seasons USF basketball's ever had, or you're dead last in field goal percentage at dead last in three point shooting. And it's just a bad beat. You got beat. You throw your hands up like, damn, a year and a half earlier. And this is fine. Did the extension raise the buyout? Yes. Um, I was, I was told in, in June of 2020 that it was to show a commitment by the university that the, the buyout was higher to show the commitment to the university, which makes se- It makes sense given the context of, Hey, we just won our first postseason <clears throat> title since the nineties. This team has not been good for a very long time. So I get that. Did you, was there going to be another school kind of poaching Brian Gregory after a CBI title? No, but you do it to show that, Hey, we're still in this for the long haul. And now the optics of it, you know, announcing it in early January as you're mired in literally the worst basketball season I've ever seen in like, what less than five years ago, we left two players at an airport. Like it was bad. It was not fun to watch. Like at least the Mur- the Orlando Antigua year with Murray Barto, at least it was like funny to watch. This was just sad to watch, but you just didn't know what was going to happen. And it was always bad. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not the biggest USF basketball person. I have watched it for going on 15, almost 20 years now. The at the time when this uh, extension was offered, it yeah, it, it made sense. It showed faith. I get that. The optics of when it was presented, you know, Jesus Christ, the past couple of years have been, you know, a literal crapshoot. Uh, who knew? Who knows? But it uh, it didn't work out. That sucks. I think it'll all come out in the wash. I don't think anybody's ever been like. Man, USF men's basketball has really fallen off in the past ever. It, you know, shit happens. We'll figure it out eventually. Maybe not. We'll figure it out eventually, maybe. Uh, but this, yeah, it's just, this is just, it, it was good. Um, what's the term there, uh, there Nate? It's, it's, it's good practice, bad result. What is it? Yeah, good, good process, bad result. There it is. And, and, and this is as true as ever when it comes to USF. It, it it was a good idea. It was a, a good faith payment. It was just paid and executed at the wrong time, in my opinion, but I'm in a moron. So who knows? Uh, I mean, you're right. And Steve, you've kind of been on, you've been, uh, I wouldn't say chipper or pragmatic or optimistic about this program, but you've been the cheerleader, Bob, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, you have and you have in, in some respects. I've carried the bucket for them. I, I've I've called them when they needed to. I think after the South Carolina State, like I'm, I never will full out say. I, I think I did it for Glenn Spencer and, and Charlie Strong, but I will never full out and come out and say, "Hey, we need to fire a coach." But after that South Carolina State game, I said, "Hey, something might need to happen here." Um, but I, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, it's. I mean. 
I, knowing these people also kind of has a big favor to it as well. It, you just kind of feel bad for, I mean, he hasn't had a good, like 24 month span since he's taken the job. Like, yeah, as a head coach, you got to roll with the punches every once in a while, but like, that's cool. I mean, he inherited job, dude. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> if you're like, so these fucking years in a row, regardless of a pandemic or a fucking uh, right. know, Holocaust, it doesn't matter. Not the Holocaust, a like yeah. nuclear Holocaust. But yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, Hey, like as a coach, you should be able to roll with punches like this at some point, but like he inherits a program that was already downtrodden going through, you know, scholarship issues because of academic issues from previous regime only, and everything. It like was that. only one scholarship. It was one scholarship, but one scholarship in basketball could be the difference between, uh, you know, Mark Kalea coming in at the end of the game or, you know, some, I mean, Mark Kalea can at least shoot threes, but regardless, he doesn't come in, you know, with a, with a silver platter, the, the platter had a small ding on it. So, you know, whatever. Uh, and then a global fucking pandemic happens right after, you know, the CBI championship, which if you're going to put stock into anything as a rebuilding program, I think it was like, like every CBI champion uh, for like the past, like seven years straight made the NCAA tournament within the next two seasons. So it's like, all right, like, yeah, let's put stock in this thing that like statistically has had good outcome. And then, oh shit, there's a global pandemic. Uh, and then, oh shit, our star player tours ACL right before the season starts. And oh shit, my assistant is racist. Like, like you, you couldn't have asked for like a worse you, six months for the guy. You, you take um, you take a global pandemic out of that, and I almost guarantee you every single oh yeah every CBI school done that, that exact same situation. Oh, if you don't think there is a racist coach, basketball coach, football coach, whatever, that's not oh, every every. That's just that's just called fucking coaching in the south. I am sorry. It, it is, but at the end of the day, no, I, I think no, my bad. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's it's in the north, northeast. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I, yeah. To Bort's point, doing this extension doesn't matter because it's all going to come out of the wash anyways. Like, yeah, you, we could be the butt end of the joke for a little bit, but it, at least showing the good faith to your bit. head coach and honoring that probably pays its dividends for all the uh, agents out there that Michael Kelly has to schmooze. <laughs> and then you know, you go on and you hire uh, Lee Butler from the ACC. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If I want a guy that's going to have to hire a basketball head coach, I want it to be with the guy that's been in the ACC for the past 15 years that knows fucking everyone that's came in and out of that program. Wasn't because he like the assistant commissioner for basketball or something like that? Yeah, yeah he's, been, like, he's been the assistant commissioner of ba- a- 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 ACC basketball since 2014. Seems like a pretty big get, right? I mean, that seems like, like a pretty good position to have. Here's from. I know there's an AECC coach that is no longer uh, that basically is available. Um, I think his name's Kara. He can't. He can't be his rival. We don't need more of that. Kara's. Yeah. Kara's. I was about to say, just get Roy Williams on a two-year like burner next year. If it just have him just like rebuild this program from the ground up, like if he can. If you're going to pull a random big name out of the ass, you know, I'd hate to say this in memoriam, but like, Shaquille you know, Lee Rose kind of guy, oh. you might as well. Get, yeah. I mean, like, it's, 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 it's a Like, Diesel yeah. to Tampa. So, here, so here's Shaquille the, O'Neal is a Florida resident. I'm just saying. Yes. So, he's got a lot of time in his hands and he just fucks around. I'm just, I, he's there. I'm just saying. 
So Lee Rose and Dick Bowers, who was the AD at USF, um, when Lee Rose came to uh, South Florida, they were they helped write the bylaws to the Sun Belt, so they knew each other. Um, so after Lee Rose's uh, Final Four appearance with Purdue, um, he was sick and tired of losing, still losing recruits to the bigger schools, Indiana, Kentucky. I think he'd lost one to like Northwestern. He's like, all right, I'm out. Came to USF in 1980, and you know had the most success. I think he's, I think he's one of or one of like two men's basketball coaches to end their career with a winning record. I'm sorry, USF that. didn't exist in 1988. You're <laughs> so uh, like Lee Rose left USF to become an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, and rumor has it the San Antonio Spurs head coach is uh, retiring at the end of the year. Maybe a 42-year uh, swaparoo reverse fortune kind of thing. Maybe we get Greg Popovich. Just someone who wants to retire in the state of Florida, reap the benefits, do the you know whole thing, and and turn around a basketball program that needs it for two years. Go get uh, Becky Hammond. She was on staff. Yeah, something uh, no, like that. Did, no, didn't she take a? I thought she took a WNBA job. Yeah, I like she took a, bucks. Yeah. yeah, she got. I mean, she got paid for WNBA standards. That's for sure. I think she got offered the Florida job and said no. The Florida women's job. Well, oh, good thing she did because that would have been toxic as hell for her. Yeah, that wouldn't have been. That wouldn't have been. Uh, uh, Gainesville works out for everybody. It's a fun place to. Li- I'm fucking kidding. Don't ever take that job. Anybody that's listening, never live in Gainesville. <laughs> oh man. Um. So yeah, BG's got. He's got to repair uh, the relationship with the fan base. B- I, I got a. I got a question for you on kind of on the lines of that. Is it just because they're not fun to watch at all? If they were losing, but they were really like a run and gun, could shoot, but they just couldn't play a lick of defense, would that be more acceptable? If the yeah, record absolutely. was exactly the same, but like they're losing like 100 to 90 is the double digit blowout and not, you know, like what, like super mid 50s or, you know, it is more fun. Yeah. It is more fun basketball, even if the results were the same. Would that be. Is it like a combination of them being bad and also like the worst shooting team, one of the worst shooting teams of all time? So, yeah. Are you asking if it would be okay if they were the Washington Generals? Yeah, I mean, yeah, at least at least be fun if you're losing. Yeah, I mean, just be like, don't don't make it a rock fight every single night. Like, I, like don't make it pulling teeth literally every single time someone turns on a, a basketball game. And I mean, that's been USF since their inception. They've never been a fun basketball team. Uh, even that, even the NCAA tournament team in, in 2011, 2012, I mean, they, they dunked the ball a lot, but they couldn't shoot. They would grind out these wins. And that was, I mean, they were, they were the Memphis Grizzlies before like grit and grind really got going. I mean, that's, that's what it was, you know, for that tournament team. And it's just kind of been them. And I think it's kind of, the kind of kid that you can recruit here. You're not going to recruit, uh, you know, JJ Redick. You're not recruiting uh, the kid from St. Uh, apparently you can't get the kid. Like you can't get a kid, like the kid from St. Peter's or um, Wait, we, we, can we get a kid from St. Peter's? Holy shit. Wait, what? I mean, there's three guys in the portal, but they're probably portaling. Way, oh, way they're buddy. They, they're, oh, they're, 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 they're going to get they're, like a big, they're, <laughs> the they're, they're portal right into the fucking Mercedes dealership. They're fine. Yeah. So like, it just, it, you can't get good shooters here. That's just point blank period. Like it, it just, it, it will, 
never happened. Reggie Cohen was the last good shooter at USF. I don't even know who that is. Oh my <laughs> that tells god! You anything. Like if that tells you anything about how long that is, I don't rec- like my my semblance of USF is a very limited one for USF men's basketball. And if it's not relevant in my timeline, it is not relevant for most people's timelines. I think I've been to like seven USF basketball games, men and women, my entire life. And even I know that as Jesus Christ, Bob. I'd be interested to see them go if they're looking for more skilled players. Why don't they kind of go the route the women's team is going and go into Europe a lot? Uh, The international skilled player. Because the, the European men's basketball, like, that kind of level is still like it's still pretty competitive. I like it's, it's more not, lucrative to stay in Europe if they're men, like not. But there's guys that come over every year, and like to a guy from Europe, Tampa, especially like you got a bunch of these guys that will end up going IMG. Um, are they used to? I'm not sure how. I'm not sure. I think they've maybe gotten more. I feel like a, a male American coming over would rather play for ING than for USF. That's, that's, but yeah, I think Tampa is a attractive. Piece for it, 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 you would think, yeah. It just it just doesn't work for about like I. I wish I knew what the the answer, what the solution was, but it, it's not what's going on right now. And the fact what blows my mind and is the biggest swing and miss, maybe in the last five years, is Brian Gregory telling literally everyone with a microphone and whoever talked to him that they would be a much better shooting team this past season and then turning out to be literally the worst worst. is, I mean, I am the most sober person this next season than I was last. Oh shit. Wait, here's the thing about, okay. So just in sports in Florida, even, you know, in the past 20 years, especially basketball, there's so much pressure. There's, the, the onus is on teams that aren't Florida and Florida State, especially like USF, UCF, that there's so much pressure for some goddamn reason that it just never it never materializes. I don't know why. It's always so much promise and so much pressure, and it just doesn't work. And it makes it worse and worse because they make all these. I'm going to make this uh, this declaration. These Skip Holtz sized promises and they never materialize and that just fucks them and it, and it kind of crystallizes and it makes it worse every single time it happens and i don't know why but it does and i get why because you want to make yourself you know big balls you want to make yourself prop yourself up that kind of thing and it just doesn't work i i i think we we recruit too clean a player which sounds rough but that's kind of true yep i agree um we don't really take the chances on uh, character issues anymore. We used to. I mean, and it still didn't work out. Well, it, at least we took a chance. We had the compliance ninjas. We had people that, and yeah, quite frankly, Frank, they would cover some shit up, and that's kind of how college sports work. I mean, it, it, now we can pay players a little bit more, but it, I mean, at the end of the day, people are people. Kids are kids. You're not going to be the best player in the world. You're not going to have a squeaky clean record. Jesus Christ! If I had to, if I had a, a Division One scholarship, you'd clean up all sorts of shit, and I wasn't even that bad a kid. So, yeah, probably. Um, such is life at uh, inside the Muma Center on the men's side. Um, all right, this has been an hour and. 
23 minutes. I'm calling it. I'm pulling the plug. It's time. I've got to go to bed. I Brody woke up at two uh, at two thirty nine this morning, Hi, and then I could not go back to sleep. So I've been up since two thirty nine this morning. I am fried. I want to go to sleep. I'm taking a it's handful. I I am taking a handful of melatonin and going to bed. No. Um, I call it melatonin now. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's I fine. The, man. Can I do the home field outro? Absolutely. <clears throat> this has been the Illuminati podcast sponsored by home field apparel. Get your retro gear at homefieldapparel.com sponsored by home field. Also sponsored by home field. Again, say hi to Connor for me. I appreciate it. I appreciate us, the Senator Giggity coming on. I appreciate Colin coming on at the top here uh, for Seth and Ew, Steve. Colin's on here. Fuck this amount. <laughs> <laughs> for Seth and Steve, uh, I am Nathan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Blue Monty Podcast. Uh, we'll see you Saturday. Spring game, baby. Most yeah, important game of the year. You have to be there to see it. Well, we'll be there. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Good night. Go home field.